Hi, this is Sarah with another episode of Materially Speaking, where artists tell their stories through the materials they choose. Today, I'm chatting with Lucy Dickens, artist, illustrator, and great-great-granddaughter of writer Charles Dickens. She works in many mediums, oils, acrylics, gouache, and fabric collages. She is preparing for her show at Cricket Fine Art, and I'm meeting her at her house to peruse her catalogue. Lucy welcomes me into her beautiful North London home in a navy boiler suit and Doc Martens. Her stylish house is full of character, quirky antique furniture, painted floors, chairs covered in fabrics from India or beyond, collected on an adventure abroad. But, like for many, the pandemic has been a watershed, and she and her husband are moving to be near the sea. We've been friends for years, so we start in the kitchen as usual making tea and laughing. Gossip tumbles out any old how, as it does with someone you've known your whole life. It's not so much that we finish each other's sentences, as that we never really finish any. Because this, tell, tell me what you're waving at me. Oh, I'm waving my new catalogue, um, which has been a long time in the coming and the making. Because, you know, I was supposed to have a show last year, and then the pandemic came along. So, just had to put everything on hold. And then, going down to live in Hampshire for, well, a whole year, my whole work sort of changed slightly. In what way? I think it's that thing of being with nature. It just became more creative, more imaginary. imaginary. <laughs> um, but you mean imaginary, actually, don't you? You mean I that... do, I do. It all came pouring out, but just very different from my other work. So how did that start? How did that start? I think it was that it was we're surrounded by birds and butterflies and and I just think it just gives your brain well it stimulates but also gives the brain a rest in some sort of way and then you absorb it and then it just starts coming out on canvas and I started using different mediums too I started working more with gouache and how did that begin and why? Well, I suppose I was becoming more liberated with the way I was using mediums through Instagram, which we've talked about, because really the Instagram, which I've been doing now for, I suppose, three or four years, Mm -hmm. that was very liberating in that I started, instead of just using oils all the time, I was using lots of other mediums. Remind me why you started Instagram, because you were one of the trailblazers. I was not keen at all. And then... My daughter, Lonnie, she kept saying, this is going to be great for you. And I kept saying, oh, I don't understand it. I don't want to do it. And also my daughter-in-law, they were both putting on pressure. And in the end, I just thought, I'm going to give it a go. And it's been the best thing for me. It sort of loosened me up because I think I was just working in oils at that point. And I think I was so precious about, oh, I can only work in oils. It's absolutely rubbish. 
Um, oils, I don't really paint in oils anymore. I've got a few in this new show, but it's nearly all acrylics. Acrylics have improved hugely since I first started using them years ago. In what ago. way? Oh, the texture. I was thinking, no, I can't possibly use acrylics because I don't like the way they feel. They don't feel like oils. They Actually, they're so wonderful and liberating. They dry immediately. The colours are amazing. They blend beautifully. They work very well for me because I paint in thin layers. And you can scrape the whole thing. Well, you don't even need to scrape the whole thing off. You can then paint over what you've got. And then you get this underpainting coming through too. That's very exciting too. So um, I don't have that problem anymore. This is a new thing for me of jumping from gouache to collage to whatever. I think that's through Instagramming and just working daily on sketching or, you know, I was doing funny drawings. I was, I was mm. actually doing a drawing a day for a year and a half. I remember the discipline in that was quite extraordinary to yes. me. You've always been early start, dog walk, kid duty, and then you've got a very strong work ethic, Lucy. I don't know. I, I think I have got a discipline, but I, you know, I think to be a, an artist, you absolutely have to. You have to be so dedicated. I know it's a very natural thing with me because actually, again, I'm jumping, but I was thinking, because I knew obviously I was talking to you today, that I was drawing. You know, I was sitting in the Royal Naval School where I used to go to school. I had an amazing, I still got it, a drawing book full of drawings of the girls sitting around me, the teachers. And <laughs> which class was this in, Lucy? This was after you and I. After you left. No, but it probably doesn't sound like the art class. It sounds no, it wasn't like... anything to do with the art class. This was other classes. And I was just sitting at the back drawer. I was still, you know, even then, of course, I was, you know, a mad keen artist without even realising. We should probably declare we've known each other since we were how old? Three. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember you, you know, I've got pictures on my wall that were sketches you did of... A dog we had as a baby, one of the St. Bernards, you know, and, and, and when I was a teenager. So you were always sketching. So tell me, tell me, although I know I'd love to hear it from you, about your childhood and your background. And uh, My ma's side, she's an amazing artist in her own right. My house is full of her extraordinary watercolour, still, still painting to this day. She's nearly 86. On her side, my grandmother was a fantastic artist. I well, didn't know that. Well, but she never went to, she, she just went to, you know, classes, but she had that in her. And my great aunts on that side, they had an Erin Weaving house. Really? Yeah. So that was on that side. Then my father's side, well, there's the Dickens, the creative thing in the writing, you know, with Charles Dickens. Who was your great? Great, great grandfather. But with that, and my father writes beautifully, and my brother actually, writing's really important to me too. And funnily enough, with the daily Instagrams that I was doing, um, I was writing a little piece every day. Very hilariously, if I may say so. Uh, because, yeah, and I see life in a, yeah, in a humorous way, I would say, mostly. And I, so I got the confidence to write and be free with my work. And it was so liberating not being precious about my oils and I just set me free. And then somehow going down and living away from the city, I love London, I'll always love London, but being away, being in the country, 
looking at things in a different way, that was also very liberating to me. So my work has sort of shifted, I would say, and I'm working more and more in my imagination. Tell me or tell us what you did after school. So the choice was, you know, I could have gone to art school and I never liked being taught to paint. I wasn't good at being taught. I had to work things out for myself. So I actually came to London, did a, a fashion, because fashion's my other passion. Um, it was a journalist course. Because but, your father was a journalist. Yes, but it was, it was a fashion journalist course. It was a new course at the London College of Fashion, which is now incredibly smart and popular. In those days, it was probably not so grand. But anyway, so I did a year there, and then I went to Condé Nast, and I got a job on Vogue. I mean, I was incredibly lucky. And so the art was on hold, except I suppose very early on I started doing illustrations in my spare time. So I started doing the odd illustration for Vogue, for Brides and for other magazines. And you were a great stylist. And I loved styling. I mean, I ended up as the fashion and beauty editor of Brides, of all things, which is part of Condé Nast. And I had a wonderful time with these mad dresses. I used to, you could have the designers design you dresses. So in stories, I did a Tissot story. So all these gorgeous models in Tissot style dresses. And I travel all over the place. I, I mean, I literally, I go with my cases of dresses and photographers and my team of hairdressers and makeup artists and off we go all over the place. So it was a great job. At that point, I wasn't thinking about being an artist, but of course, in a way, you learn as a stylist all the time you're looking at pages so you're looking at how your photographs look on a page and so I think I learned my my style if you look at my work is quite reportagey so I like even on the cover I'm showing you now of my new catalogue you know you've got you've got these ladies here in their mad hats this is a collage you've got a horse's bum sticking out, you know, coming off the page and, and some legs at the top. So you, it's like a moving thing. It's a story. It's a story. It's a happening story. It's a glimpse of what's happening. You see? Yes, I do. So a lot of my work is like that. You know, it's, it's that half on, half off the page. It's just a glimpse of something. did when you were raising your two children before you had stepchildren do children's books yes and we sold them all over the place i seem to remember dogs feature. there was uh there was dirty henry dirty there was some henry. dirty henry there was gosh i can't remember the name of my books it's terrible um <laughs> i started with board books oh no rosie's paddling pool is my oh, first yes. book rosie's paddling pool and they were all based on my two children i suppose i did about eight books very simple, still illustrating. And then I began to think, no, 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 I want to paint. There's more to me than this. And so I started working with oils. I hadn't picked up a brush, really, an oil brush since I was at school. And just began to work through all these styles. It took me a few years till I found my own style. What were your inspirations? Um, my early inspirations, I'm just trying to think very dark and moody. I think it was quite a dark, difficult time for me. I think it showed in my work. Everything was 
very Prussian blue. It was very uh, light and shade, light and shade. What am I trying to say? That was the most important thing. Moody. Chur Moody, chiaroscuro. That was the thing. That, for me, was crucial. So light and shade, very dark, with little edges of light. In the, that little yes. dip, shall we call yes. it. I do remember a painting of yours that was a person sitting on a bench in a park. Yes, I know the one. You know the one. And it touched me deeply because I was lonely then too. Yeah. You know, touching on the illustration as though it's light, but it really isn't light. But the funny thing is that... It was very dark at that stage. I didn't realise that somewhere deep down there was a huge sense of humour which has popped up in my happiness that I have now, uh, my very wonderful life, you know, which is to do with my, my partner and my, yeah. At that stage, yeah, I think I probably was very lonely or feeling sad and that definitely shows in the work. Funnily enough, that picture, the one that you mentioned, was my first big sale in my first show. Really? It was thrilling. I had my first show in a wonderful gallery in England's Lane called the Belgrave Gallery. Irving Gross, he gave me my first chance. I just put some photographs of my work through his letterbox and he rang me up and said I love them and gave me a show. It was just, you know, an artist's dream. He was an amazing man. He was, wasn't he? he I was remember him. He was a kind, brilliant guy. And then he guided me through to my next gallery I went with, which was the Foss Gallery in Gloucestershire. And then I sort of, I came back into London and I've been with Cricket Fine Art uh, now for a long time. And I was also with Osborne Studio Gallery. All, all lovely guys. I've been incredibly lucky. But I think it's rather sweet, actually. I think it's very touching, especially given we have all been living through this pandemic and to agree still are, that, that the human spirit is drawn to that emotion of, of loneliness. Yeah. Uh, and it obviously resonated with whoever bought that painting. Yeah. And it resonated with me because I remember it X number of years later. But the joke is I didn't even realise. So it's only when I look at my work now, or people have said, oh God, you had a very dark... You know, my galleries are always trying to make me do colour. I just couldn't do it. You couldn't make me do it. I did a lot of moody bar shots and shots paintings and jazz paintings. It was all in the dark. It was all dark, dark. Couldn't do the bright stuff. And then just in the last few years, it's all just come gushing out. talk about the show. When is it happening? So the show is happening on the 5th of May and... Um, We're talking in late April yes. 2021. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got a clue. <laughs> Maybe it's not late April actually, come no, to think I, of it. I, think I don't know what it is. I haven't got a clue what I the think, date is. It's very <laughs> worrying. <laughs> I, think, I think it might be mid-April. <laughs> How do you feel just before the show? Melissa? Well I, again I, I Remarkably zen. I, I, I you know, I, I think um, I'm a great meditator. I have to get that in. And that has <laughs> changed my life hugely. Sarah, my dear friend here, is rolling her eyes, thinking, I'm there's not. no way this girl is zen. I've been jabbering. <laughs> but I'm sitting here very relaxed with my feet up. But I feel it's actually, it's had a very good, you know, it's up online and people seem to like it. So I feel quite relaxed. 
So meditation really helps the creative completely percolation because process. It it everything can sink in, and then ideas come up quite clearly. You know, it's sort of ding. It's there, and you just think, oh, I'm going to do this. Sometimes things work. Sometimes they don't work, but they're, you know, they're pushing you towards having a go. And with these wire women, and I think this is going to be fantastic. I'm really excited about it. They don't always work straight away, but with the meditation, you learn patience. So though I, I then, you learn that they don't always work and you then have to try, try and again. And so, I mean, with why you then have to you make these awful hashes. I was trying to do birds and they were too complicated. I then made myself take them all to bits and then use the same wire again. So you just, it's all part of, you just are in a better sort of more patient mode. It's still very creative, but it's, it's all about the doing as well in a mindful way. Ooh, that sounded quite deep. Ooh. Before we talk about the show, because as you say, the show was scheduled for last March, was it? April. April. So yeah. obviously with the pandemic, that was yeah. postponed. But you then had this, I remember you saying something like congestion. You had a room full of... Oh my God, absolutely packed up there. And then it's difficult, is it not, if your stuff sort of comes out of you, but then doesn't go to the wider world and everything stops. So right. Then what do you do? What did you do? Makes it sound romantic, but actually it was incredibly difficult. So went down to Hampshire, where we're lucky enough to have a cottage. Went down, we thought we'll just be down there for you know the first lockdown, but in fact, we just stayed. I had painter's block, really, which I don't very often get. I didn't really know what on earth to do um, because life felt so different. So again, it's that thing of you have to just be patient, let it just um, drift into your head and just into your imagination and just trust yourself. Um, but basically it was artist block. <laughs> Well, I mean, and also the pandemic did not bring out lovely feelings. We well, were all... I don't think for, for me, in a way, lockdown has not been a problem. It's good because I don't get interruption because interruption is really bad for artists. You need quiet. You need thinking time. So actually, lockdown has been good for me. So obviously, I miss my friends but, um, and my family. Uh, but what I was going to say was then... While I was having this painter's block thing, um, then there was the trestle trust thing because the food banks were desperate for money. I just felt so bad about it, the whole thing. So I decided I was going to raise money. And being this great Instagrammer, I was able to advertise. I had this idea that for £50, you could send me a photograph of your granny or your child or your dog. And for £50, I'd do a likeness. And I raised over 4,000. Just brilliant. In a couple, it actually nearly killed me. You <laughs> bit off a bit more than you can chew. And that also gave me painter's block because after that, I felt quite mentally exhausted by it because, of course, you can't just run off any old, even if it's 50 pounds, which is not very much for a good likeness. Um, these were in colour pencils and I was doing probably three a day. I put everything into those to make them absolutely the best I could, um, which was a huge strain, actually. And after I'd done that, I, 
you know, I then had further painter's block because I, I, I was sort of slightly burnt out by that. Because everything I do, I put a huge amount of oomph into. So the cover is a collage of um, these ladies um, on um, at Ascot. Had great fun slashing out bits of fabric, making these ladies with their nutty hats on, horses dashing about in the background. It's all very much about um, composition. You know, you can't really plan. It's like sketching with scissors, and then once you've done it, you then got to glue it, and the gluing is. Gosh, I wish I had an assistant, an assistant who could glue with nice little young fingers, not fat old fingers. That's the only thing that puts me off collages is gluing. Really? But the creative thing is fabulous. Do you use a brush to get like a fine liner glue? No. It's really hard that. I wish I was like Matisse with lots of assistants, you know. And then there's the worry with these collages. This is my first show I've ever shown collages. That they then get to the framer and, you know, something has shifted. So it's, it's not as straightforward as it looks. But anyway, it's very effective and very strong and graphic. This particular one also speaks to your fashion love. Yes. I'm not interested in high fashion, just so we get that clear. No. I'm just interested in fabrics and just individuality. Yes. That's what interests me, not high fashion. So um, sort of how people dress to express themselves. Completely, including me. You know, a lot of my clothes are very ancient. Oh, here we are. Oh, no, that's... Now that's so apt. Look at that. There's the old Dukey. Poor old Dukey. I love that one. Royal Spectators at the Highland Games. He's just been reserved. He's been reserved. I'm not surprised. Dear man. Oh, anyway, so there he is with Queenie. There's an homage to him in our local ice cream shop. <laughs> oh God, let's get Can you look. believe it? North London. I don't know. Lovely. Let's go and have a look. And Hockney. Hockney in his youth. It's a great picture of Hockney, but I also wonder, did you not say to me that the um, coloured pencils that you did, the Trussell Trust? Yeah, that, that was inspired by him. Because, I, again, I would have thought I never really liked coloured pencils. They seem too crisp and too neat for me. Um, there was some of his work, his pencil drawings, his colour pencil drawings are exquisite. Early drawings. And I thought, I must have a go at this. Um, he did inspire me. Oh, he's such a clever man. Anyway, here he is, um, the collage of him in his youth with his custard yellow hair and his big round glasses. I love this picture. And in fact, here he matches the picture of the Queen. She is also in custard yellow hat. And, and and as you say, jacket. bright colours. Here we are, very bright. All the dark has gone. So, horses, quite a lot of horses. And I don't remember you as being a horse lover. You're giving me a look. Like I am now. But only, I mean, I've become a serious horse lover in this last year again, just communing with the horses that trot past our house. But before that, no, there was a, a love for... I like groups of people, and it was a thing of riders on their horses. So it's not just the horse, it's the rider and the horse. It's the white jumpers. It's that whole theatrical thing of... The hunt. The hunt. Actually, I'm not pro-hunting. There's the fox sitting on the tree laughing at them as they go by. <laughs> They've missed him. He's sitting on a tree smoking a pipe. 
So, you know, obviously, obviously, as foxes do, why wouldn't they? And these nincompoops are just shooting past, blowing their trumpets. So there were quite a lot, you know, jockeys on horses, something about groups of them. And again, yes, it's all very camp and bright and colourful. I think that was actually a way of lifting my spirits in in my painting. So I still love horses. And of course, I love dogs. And there we have a corgi, the Queen's corgi eating the Queen's shoe in this next painting. Uh, And there's the Duke sipping a cup of tea. It's called Tea Time at Buckingham Palace. Wonderful. I quite like corgis, actually. There's lurches on trains, that's the problem here. We've got cyclists and whippets, Hyde Park Corner. That looks very dangerous, whippets and wheels. We're talking about a big painting in my catalogue. It's called Cyclists and Whippets, Hyde Park Corner. I was sitting, you can see me in this painting, sitting at the back of bus. I actually saw this woman. I was going round Hyde Park Corner on the bus and this mad woman, very English, with her three whippets, whizzed out on her bicycle onto this huge, mad... Um, Crazy corner there. ...corner with all these buses and taxis. So, obviously, I got that down in my little sketchbook. You often have, nowadays, don't you, a little guest appearance? Yes, because I think, not that I look very interesting, but it, it is it's the artist's view of life. So, yes, artist crops up quite often. Uh, yeah, more collages and... Do you want to go through this? Yes, I love Smiley's people. Smiley's people. And what I I think what works very well in collage is you keep the colours to a minimum. And it's a chance for me to be very graphic. This is mad. This is a circus in the sky. So this is more, you know, the bird life down in Hampshire. We spend so much time looking at the birds out of the window. You know, these amazing clear skies you get. And so on we go. This just a series of work. Ah, yes, this is a good series. Japanese series. Okay, and? I mean, Japan, Tom and I went, it was was just four years ago now. But then it took, I mean, it took over two years for this sort of to sink in. You'd think you'd go on an amazing journey and then you'll come back and you'll just paint it. But I can't do that. You just have to let it brew. I mean, the thing that came up and came through in my work was these groups of people. I've always been quite into groups of people, quite often in uniform. Here, Tell me what we're looking ladies at. of a certain age on outings in groups um, in, Japan. in Japan in their beautiful silk kimonos. Because most of the younger generation don't really bother with kimonos. Sometimes you see them at weekends all dressed up in very flowery cotton ones. But the elder ladies have these beautiful silk kimonos and then uh, they have these coats that they wear over the top exquisite and in the rain they have these beautiful matching umbrellas we went to various gardens and the bamboo forest and we saw these groups of ladies and these were the ones that inspired me to do these paintings also we were in tokyo we went on the the japanese underground whatever that that is of all these Mostly, well, in this picture, it's all men. Strap hanging. Strap hanging, looking grey, and an exhausted salary men. And here's another image. Uh, We saw, this is a very rare sight in Kyoto, a maiko, which is a young geisha, trainee geisha, clip-clopping in her platforms. You can't believe how high these platforms are and all this wonderful paraphernalia coming down an alleyway in the dark with me, Chasing on behind her. 
I was hysterical. The whole thing was just too much. She was so beautiful. She ignored me completely. She had this painted on white face, uh, this amazing makeup, this blossom in her hair. Oh, she was exquisite. Anyway, she's down here. My coincidence. She was just marvellous. And on we go. Next page in the catalogue, there is... Um, this is called Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. And this is me with my dog Lenny, the lurcher, who's no longer with us. And we miss him. He was my muse. Oh, he was my love. Um, here he is in a John Lennon cap. <laughs> as he would be in a boat with me. I think I should add that Lucy does not dress up her dogs. Or at least I've no, never but, seen uh, her do it. No, but anyway... Here he's they got roam free and dirty. Yeah, he's got a, a bandana on and he looks very John Lennon-ish. And we're in the sky with diamonds. I love that painting. Yeah. Do you find it hard to sell the ones that are that personal? No, there are some that are too personal to sell, and I do hold on to them. But this one, somehow I'm happy enough to give up. Uh, but yeah, I've got my little secret stash, which I'll never give up. And I've got so many drawings of my dear doggy actually, so that I'll never sell. And this one looks like Ascot? Another Ascot one. This is part of this new lockdown in Hampshire thing. I've become a real old twitcher, a birder. We have masses of goldfinches in our part of the world down there. The birds are in the front, larger than life, and I'm this little mad person in the back with my hat and glasses on, sunglasses. Oh, is a Rudy Nudie one. This is a Rudy Nudie one, and it's called the Towel Attendant. And this is inspired by a visit to Germany. We went and stripped off and did this steam bath thing. The Germans are very good at this, but I thought, oh, I'm not going to like this. But it was, it was marvellous. It was fabulously liberating. Of course, I hadn't got my glasses on, so I, I could only see all this rather pink flesh everywhere. <laughs> I don't think you sketched in there, I'm guessing. No, but, you know, the memory, it does hold on to all this stuff. Anyway... Within all this, there's lots of people in this picture, all with not, not a stitch on. And, and coming through in the middle is a man in his white uniform with a pile of white towels. And it's called the towel attendant. In this colour palette, you've got the flesh colours. And you've really only got like three other colours that I've used. I literally gave myself a very small palette. So even though it's busy, it's contained. And I love the humour too, that the fact that the one that we're noticing and talking about, the odd one out, yes. is the one with clothes on. Yes, exactly. <laughs> These two mad ladies, this is face to face. And another thing. They look like that's what they're saying to each other. Oh, yes, yes. And another thing. These two eccentric ladies staring at each other with their calico faces. They were inspired by my great, well, my mother's great aunts who were the ones with the weaving houses and used to wear all these amazing, very eccentric clothes. So this is, in my imagination, what they look like. And these, these are the, the gouache that you see. They're more dreamlike because you can get this quality with this paint on the wet surface, the way it moves, mm -hmm. you can move it back. Mm -hmm. These are new to me. I've only done these in the last few months. I really like these. What's next for you then? Well, at this very moment, because we're moving houses and I've got the show on, I'm not painting, I'm working in wire now. So I'm doing 2D collages in a way. So I'm, it's like sketching with, um, with wire. Um, I've been doing these huge faces 
Again, they're not unlike these ladies with from face to face with, and they've got fabric turbans on and, and suede red lips and they hang. I'm making them, so I'm, I'm doing a collection of heads and then they'll hang from the ceiling, a circular piece. Like a mobile? Of, like a mobile. How this did is, that come about? I've seen them on Instagram. Yeah, I, I don't were... know. I mean, they've just popped up in my head. It's nothing to do with sort of packing your clothes and the move. And... No, no. Do you know, these, these ideas just pop up when I'm supposed to be meditating. I get these <laughs> huge, very strong visions that come because your head is clear and the clearer it is, the more creative I get. Great. And another thing I was musing on as I was preparing to chat with you was that both of our parents, well, your mother and my father, worked with wood. Yes, they did. I was thinking about his workshop. Do you remember? Oh, I loved his workshop. Which one, the cellar or the one in the cottages? I was only thinking about his cellar. The cellar was extraordinary. I mean, him going down to that cellar in his green Green coat. coat, which I still have in the roof, can't throw it away. You know, there'll probably be a set of paintings in the making of him because, you know, these things, these childhood memories of your dad creating these serpents, these amazing handmade, beautiful instruments down in his cellar. Then your ma would pack them up and send them off to America. And it was, it was seemed very glamorous. Well, the cellar was haunted. The St. Bernard used to rush oh, past that door like there was the wind I'm, up their tail because they were terrified of something. Anyway, there is definitely a series of paintings to be done. And then your mother was such a hard worker, not content with you know, the demands of five children. She also had this fabulous shop where we were brought up, which restored and sold yeah. old furniture. Yeah. Main, mainly pine in those days, wasn't in it? In the early days, she was known as Stripper Dickens. <laughs> she would stand in Wellington boots with some terrible concoction, you know, um, uh, stripping pine. <laughs> yeah, Sarah's got the hysterics. But she was, she was known as Stripper Dickens. <laughs> so... Anyway, she used to sell collections of old, beautiful boxes and things to, to Barney's in New York, my mother. Um, and she's still, yeah, just 86, painting and gardening and cooking. And just, she's just the most magical woman, really. Jeez. My ma. Anything else? <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think it may be another cup of tea. So thanks to Lucy Dickens. You can see her work on her Instagram at Lucy underscore M Dickens or her website, lucydickens.com. You can discover her show at cricketfineart.co.uk. And thanks to you for listening. As with all episodes, you can find photographs of the work discussed on our website, materiallyspeaking.com or on Instagram. If you're enjoying Materially Speaking, Please subscribe to our newsletter so we can send you news and let you know when the next episode goes live. And if you feel moved to leave a rating or review on your favourite podcast platform, that would be great, as that will help people find us. Join us for our next episode, where I shall be talking to Franco-American artist Emmanuel Filion, whose fabulously fluid portrayals of women were first inspired by dancers. All I could see was like moving sculptures, you know, like I, I didn't see them as people anymore. It was like moving sculptures around me. I was like, oh my God, I have a lifetime of inspiration here.
I guess that's what I love. It's expression, the corporal expression, you know, like when you possess your body, because we are not our body. We are our soul. Beauty is not just about the aspect. It's also about the moment and what it represents. Join us for our next episode with Emmanuel Filion. Thank you.